I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. Unleash the power. Today, we're going to be talking about Solar Ash, a game that was developed by Heart Machine, was published by Annapurna Interactive, and was released in 2021 on Windows, PS4, and PS5. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Solar Ash is a 3D platformer, I would say. Um, and it's a game that is split into two parts, essentially. There's the part that is the 3D platforming challenges, and then there's exploration. Uh, and that makes up the bulk of what you're doing. We're doing this on Pocket. Obviously, this game is pretty short, but it is from the developer of Hyperlight Drifter. Um, and if this sounds nothing like Hyperlight Drifter to you, that's because it ain't. What mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't even know really. I want to I want to meet out sort of like different parts of this mm-hmm. uh, because I feel strongly medium uh-huh. about a lot of the things in this game. Um, but I think that the, I guess the thing that makes the most sense if you're somebody who came to this podcast and doesn't know this game. The important thing to get into and in its relationship to Hyperlight Drifter is largely an aesthetic one. Um, The soundtrack, once again, has Disaster Piece in it. I don't know if they... I watched part of the credits and they were listed as, like, sound design. Mm -hmm. But not, like, the soundtrack itself. But maybe there's still a relation there. I'm not actually sure. Uh, But it does sound very similar to Hyperlight. Yeah. Uh, and it looks a lot like Hyperlight as well, just now it's in 3D. Yeah. I guess, like, a, I think a good place to start is, like, the fact that Hyperlight Drifters seem to immediately catch on mm-hmm. and, like, have people, like, excited about it coming out and, like, thinking it was really cool. And it did kind of go on to become, like, an indie, like, a uh, classic, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For people, but like Solar Ash seemed to have been the exact opposite, where it was revealed, people were like, "Huh, that's weird," and then kind of promptly forgot about it. It like it it really skated under the radar. Nice for a lot of people, and like myself included. So I remember they they revealed it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like Heart Machine's next game, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I liked Hyperlight Drifter a lot, and I remember like it looked like a weird platforming thing where you skate around through the clouds which appeals to me yeah um and but like yeah there's something about it that like just didn't click and then i remember you got it when it came out and we're playing it and you were in like the city level which i think is the worst one in the game but it is. um <laughs> i don't know it's just like for some reason it just like didn't make a good first impression or like it doesn't stand out or seem as like I think you see Hyperlight Drifter and you're like, oh, it's like a more combat focused, like a Link to the Past, like top down style game. Mm-hmm. And it, it has like a nice visual style. Whereas with like Solar Ash, it's kind of like you see it and you're like, well, what is this game? Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I guess 3D platformers are more niche as well. Yeah. I also think there's part of uh, what makes Hyperlight Drifter's aesthetic so interesting actually relates more than we may have thought to the pixel art style yeah like the lo-fi 
element of it. Yeah. Like, it has that, like, the, it's, people would describe it today as, like, a vaporwave aesthetic. Yeah. And. Yeah, like a jewel tone color palette. Right. And at the heart of that aesthetic is sort of this, like, retro throwback idea. And to take what was a perfect representation of that and then turn it into something more modern, Mm -hmm. it loses a bit of its. I mean, I can throw puns around, too. Uh-huh. It loses a bit of its heart, you know? Yeah. Like, it's missing something that makes the aesthetic really sing. Yeah. I think the game, like, actually, once I got my hands on it, looks a lot better mm-hmm. than I expected. Like, there was something about it, like, it just didn't look right. Or something about it just didn't, like, feel like it gelled, like, in a trailer to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking, like, oh... <laughs> like the the hyperlight aesthetic did not translate well to 3D. I think it does better in practice, but like yeah, it does lose a little charm. Um but yeah, it's a bit little bit more of like a I don't know, it just doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. It's a strange sort of like mix of things, I think, because I I think that the aesthetic when you take it as a whole, like when you look at the game and are playing it, I think it it brings a lot of interesting visual stuff to the table, but also it feels very hard to decipher in practice. I think a lot of the like surreal elements that worked really well in Hyperlight, which for for the record is not the easiest game to read either, uh, you kind of forgive it a little bit more because it's so rigid. Yeah. Like, you know exactly where you can be and go at any time. Yeah. I actually think that Hyperlight Drifter was, like, definitely messier in that department. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, it something about it being a 2D game does make it easier to forgive that. Because it's, yeah, as you said, it always it's always static, yeah. you know, it always stays the same. Yeah, and then that is just not the case in this game. Uh, in fact, a static camera, something... We'll get into this, but there there were definitely some visual things that could have been done to make this game, I think, just play better, like just feel better to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, though I will say one of the best selling points of this game, there are two things that I think are super great that I think everybody should seek this game out if it's what they're looking for. And I think that aesthetically it, it is actually... It's very cool. Yeah, like, th- other people aren't really making games that look like this. Yeah. Like, it, it almost kind of feels like its own throwback to something like, uh, from, like, the Dreamcast or something. Like, obvious, you make obvious comparisons to Jet Set Radio. Yeah. And things of that nature. Wind Waker, you know, other, like, uh, cell shady experimental visual styles of the time. Yeah. And, uh, the other thing that... I would have to emphasize about this game is that the mecha- the the movement mechanics are incredible. Uh, I think they're really, really well executed. And if there are things that I think this game fails at, uh, which spoilers there are, um, I can't blame much, if any of it, on the base movement mechanics. They are inscrutable to the naked eye you look at it and you go that looks very smooth and it's actually very it's difficult to get a handle on but once you do it feels like almost like tony hawk levels of sort of a fluidity to everything 
No, yeah, it does feel really good, and um, I just brought up Jet Set Radio. I have not played it, so oh, I don't wow. know exactly what kind of game it is or what you do in it. Mm. I have a vague idea, but um, like the idea of like a rollerblading or whatever, some kind of fast movement, uh, like flowy platformer like this, just felt like something I like at least in a 3D game, like I hadn't really seen before. The stuff is like kind of similar, like something like Mirror's Edge is obviously about like a flow state Mm -hmm. and something like ori is a lot like you know like zipping around and like you know like always keeping your momentum and stuff so there's stuff that's like kind of similar but like this it felt like such like a no-brainer idea once you see it in motion yeah like just like zipping around the clouds and jumping around a million feet yeah and to do it in the in the genre of a 3d platformer like the game needs to both be fluid in terms of speed and what you know you can and can't interact with, and also precise enough for you to be able to actually make landings and actually be in the places you need to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it succeeds mostly. Uh, it has a few quirks here and there. Like, I know that there are certain situations where you'll continue to skate when you land, but it's not it's not abundantly clear when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I would occasionally roll right off the edge of a of a cliff. Uh, normally, you can save yourself, so it's not that bad. But it is something to keep an eye out for. But by and large, like I loved skating and boosting, and I pretty much just had the L two button taped down because I really liked that sort of like floaty icy movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a really good time that I enjoyed immensely. Yeah, no, I, I would be surprised if anyone played this and didn't always have the L2 button pushed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very rare that you ever want to walk around. Um, this is something I've thought about um, in in with the, if you think ever think about like developing a game yourself, as I'm sure lots of people who like games do. Um, that's something I've always thought about. Is if like you did like something like a 2D Zelda e kind of game where you have like a dash and like. When you have something like that, people always are just dashing or rolling everywhere, like in yeah. Ocarina of Time, you know, just rolling all, everywhere. And I was like, well, people like to do that because, like, they want to go fast. So, like, what if you make that into the game as, like, a mechanic where, like, if they're out of combat and they, like, dash, like, three times, it just enters them into, like, a fast move state where they just kind of float along the ground. Yeah. Just a cool idea I've had. And this game definitely... Uh, has that sort of thing, but like as its main mechanic is like moving around, like zipping around really quickly. Yeah, it's something that it, it reminds me a bit of uh, Psychonauts in the form of the levitation ball. Yeah, where you sacrifice a little bit of your like handling, your as they called it, a your accuracy. Game. Yeah, your ability to like move and stop on a dime in order to get speed and jump height and stuff like that. And this feels kind of similar to that in the in in that way, but it is it's just it's more so baked directly in. It's the primary movement yeah, mechanic. It almost feels like it should just be the default movement, and you should have to hold L two to walk. Yeah, <laughs> because I think there's I would like to see how that would pan out, like uh, in practice. Yeah. Because to me, I feel like there's probably some like tactile thing about holding it down to do it that feels good. Mm-hmm. But I have no evidence to support <laughs> that. It's just like a gut yeah. feeling. There might even be an option in the menu to make it a toggle. Right. And I just don't know because yeah. I didn't look at it. Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, there's one other thing. So I kind of want to go into uh, a more broad look at the game. There's one thing I wanted to get out of the way now mm-hmm. that I don't really want to say for the end, but you can say no let's do it at the end anyway i think because it's a pocket game that stuff doesn't matter as much sure i think so one of the things one of the main differences between this game and hyperlay drifter in addition to it being a completely different kind of game uh-huh. uh is that hyperlay drifter famously didn't have words in it like all of the tutorials were told ikea style where with just like diagrams yeah uh of what you're supposed to be doing uh and this game has a lot of fucking words in it uh like a whole whole lot of words and mm-hmm. voice acting um which isn't bad like i don't think the voice acting is super bad or anything mm-hmm. uh but i think that the amount of lore and dialogue is potentially kind of bad mm. uh mainly because i don't think i don't think that it did much for my understanding of the story mm-hmm. it mostly was just background information on the characters and I hate Sid as a character. I think that Sid would be better served as a faceless pillar that you interact with. Uh, but that's what I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. I think the story element is actually good, like, in the way that Hyperlight Drifter's story is good, mm-hmm. in that it tells this, like, sort of... Uh, it's like a... You don't have, like, a lot of player choice in either game. You just kind of have to go through, and it's it's a very... They're both very kind of sad <laughs> end of the world stories um but it was all of the lore and dialogue that i thought was a bit much mm. uh I, I feel like i kind of know what you're getting at like but would just describe it very differently okay because like to me this game still felt like it had very little dialogue and story compared to like your average game like at least like 3d games with stories tend to have a lot more of it um yeah on average um yeah i i I was thinking about it in comparison to hyperlight drifter where it had like almost nothing um and i think i remember on that episode wishing that there had been a little bit more Mm -hmm. um and in this one i think it goes to the other side where i think it has i do think it has a little too much um, I think Hyperlight Drifter definitely benefited by leaving more of it to your imagination, and I think this also would have been the same. Like it, outside of like the main story, like the interaction with like the the goddess with the needle in her chest. Yeah. Because um, I thought all that. Yeah, like the main story was cool, and I, I actually thought Sid really worked well as a character. Like that was the one character I would have said that I do like, uh-huh. but. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just a difference of taste. Like, it felt pretty unintrusive to me. Um, but, like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I've always, in my head, think of you as somebody who's, like, really binary with stuff like this, where it's, like, if it's, like, a fast-paced, action-y game, like, you just want to do that, and you Uh-oh. don't want to have to stop for story, or, like, if you want to have, like, a story game, you want to, like, have the story and that be the thing you're doing? Yeah, that's pretty accurate, I would say. There's, basically, I would see it as, like, a maybe a trinary, but the th- <laughs> where the third option is something that is more... That balances them well? That, well, yeah, something that is transcendent. So, like, most of the time, I think games, as a whole, are better when they focus on a single element. Uh, like, either they want to do something really novel mechanically, or they want to tell a very... Uh, nuanced story and i'm extremely into both of those things 
the the exceptions, I guess, potentially the ones that prove the rule, are things like Celeste, that is a hyper-focused uh, platform game, but has a light narrative that is very poignant and plays well into the themes of the mechanics as well. So you end up with kind of like a... You get something where there's a true blend, and that's good, but I find those games to be rare. This, I don't think, pulls it off. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a a well-developed mechanical system that is novel and interesting, and then... Uh, something I liked the overall, like you said, I like the overall story and sort of like the larger themes, but I don't think that all of the additional narrative stuff really added much to my experience. Yeah, like something like finding the caches is yeah. is something that highlights it really well. Where it does, it does feel like it stands out a lot when you have to stand still and listen to it in this game. Yeah. Which is about just constantly running around. Well, and also, and I just want to mention this, it's almost potentially the whole reason I brought up the story, uh, is that we both like the overall narrative. There's a crash land uh, on a dying planet, essentially. A big cataclysm is about to happen that's going to destroy all life, that kind of a thing, or most life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you have something that you think the technology the that star you think can, seed. the star seed that can end the cataclysm or overtake the void and even when you think that that isn't the case maybe it can go back and restart it and spoilers in the end of at the end of the game if you choose to destroy the star seed you become a big monster who is overcome with their guilt and regret and then in the middle of the game they have this weird like dark comedy thing that is like absurdist where there are these lobster aliens who died in really like goofy ways like one of them literally crash landed their ship onto a large pile of pillows that were inexplicably in the area mm-hmm. it's just called out in the dialogue it's not like it is uh you can like look at the environment and it's like a little bit of a visual gag they just explicitly say it in words Mm -hmm. and i think it's a bad use and not that i don't like jokes though gear up for this month where i talk about how i don't like jokes i swear to god i like jokes uh (laughs) in this game it doesn't feel like they should be making just obvious jokes Mm -hmm. it feels awkward and weird and i didn't really like it uh, and all of them are like that. They're like, oh, we're going to bathe in the hot springs. Ooh, it's acid. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, it doesn't land for me. Yeah, I don't know what they were going for with that either. It's strange. Uh, but that's that's it. I, I Like I said, I like the overall story and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. It just it feels like it takes some of the stuff. It, it's just a hard tightrope to walk because like, it is like optional stuff for the mm. most part. But and like you have like a desire to like want to interact with it, but then when you have to like stand there and listen to it, it makes it feel more mandatory. You know, like it's just like a weird like execution thing. That yeah, yeah that's kind of weird. It it is like walking a tightrope, but then putting in all of the weird lobster alien jokes. Well, those are yeah, it's those like are a Looney Tune style dropping an anvil on the mm-hmm. thing that then launches back up into the face of the dropper. Yes. Um, hey, let's talk about levels. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry to switch things up. Uh, 
The levels in this game... So I played this game in essentially two sittings. One of which, when it came out, and the other yesterday. Um, which is a weird way to play it, for sure. But one, I mentioned before, once you get a hang of the controls, they feel very natural. Did not take me long to pick it back up, uh, which was impressive to me. Like, I jumped right back on that horse um, mm -hmm. after a long time. But I remember... Leaving the game the first time, feeling fairly negatively about it. I felt like not... I'll get into some of the more specifics, but I felt like I was disappointed by a lot of things that the game had shown me in the first few hours. And then when I picked it back up, I picked it back up on... Um, but the Eternal Garden? The yeah, the level. mushroom level. The mushroom level, which ends up being my favorite level in the game. And immediately I'm like... Maybe I was too harsh on the game. And then I proceeded into the next couple of levels and was like, maybe I was, maybe I'm as medium on this game <laughs> as you can possibly get. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you want to go over things generally, but I have two main gripes. Sure. And it's, I don't think that the exploration is particularly fun because the levels feel really big and empty. And when it is not big and empty it's like when you you were a kid and you rode your bike and you like to ride your bike on the street and down hills where you could go fast and like do things that were cool and adrenaline pumping mm -hmm. and you didn't ride your bike in a nail factory which is where they want you to ride your bike whenever the levels are not open mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a this is another tightrope that they're struggling to stay up on i think um but I think the game starts reasonably well, I would mm -hmm. say. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel kind of differently. Um, I, I think I like this game like a lot more than you did. <laughs> I think you do, yeah. Um, but um, to, to me, it felt like the levels were big enough to accommodate like your movement speed mm -hmm. and, every, and all your abilities and like manage to feel big and not empty for the most part. Some of them did more than <laughs> others, like the city... Which I think is like by far the worst level of all of them. Yeah. But um, because and then when I got to the the one that's like the big lake, mm -hmm. that's like the big sword guy, is the boss. I think that ended up being my favorite level. Like when I first got to it, I was like, oh no, a big open level. Uh -huh. This is gonna be bad. But then I ended up liking it a lot. Um. Okay. Well, let's 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 focus in on that because I think it'll highlight for the for the listener. Mm -hmm. If you feel closer to me or Andy on this, is going to determine a lot about how you feel about this game. Mm -hmm. I really hated that level. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because... Of the poison water. The poison mechanic feels like such a cop-out-nothing mechanic, because you don't take damage. They say, like, oh, even the water's dangerous. But it isn't. It It is exactly the same, in fact, as the the titans get red and kill you mechanic, mm -hmm. but just in a different context. You, When you land in the poison, it starts a timer. And then when the timer runs out, any hit will kill you up until it, that second timer then expires. Yeah, it counts down. Yeah, so it's interesting in theory, but in practice, it means nothing it's very easy to play around. Mm -hmm. And the situations where it isn't easy to play around are frustrating mm -hmm. in kind of like a I'm surprised 
that whatever just happened happened kind of way especially because it doesn't explain the mechanic once you get it mm -hmm. uh it ceases to be frustrating and becomes boring but when it when you first start you're like uh oh can't stay in the thing oh no it's still ticking up nothing happened what does this mean? Like, you don't understand it. And then eventually, like, you'll do it, and then you'll get hit by a guy. And you're like, oh, that's what it is. That mm -hmm. kills you. But then you do it again, you stay in the poison, and that kills you, and then you kind of get an idea for it. And then what it does is it makes you stop and stand still in this game that sucks to stop and stand still in. Mm -hmm. uh, that you don't want to be doing that. Maybe it doesn't suck, but, like, it's not with the prime directive of the player. Mm -hmm. Uh and then it's a big empty void otherwise. So that's why I don't like the level. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I found it to be, like, pretty satisfying to try to, like, have to get across an area fast. Like, I think it, it played with, like, the, um, like, just the mechanics in an interesting way to me, where it was, like, an area where you have to, like, it's, like, the big lake area. And, like, having to, like, find a route through it and, like... I can boost off of this to get across it. And then like, I have to then stop off here so it doesn't kill me. Or like, I had to avoid these enemies. Like it, I think it made the traversal across the area. Interesting. Yeah. I think that a more interesting way, a more tried and true way, maybe I'm being conservative here mm -hmm. in a 3d platformer is to put obstacles in right. and not just have the whole floor be lava. Uh, which is my problem with the last level, mm -hmm. is it could have been the most fun level because it is full of interesting platforming challenges, but also the floor kills you in one hit. Yeah. So if you make even a single mistake, you go back to the checkpoint. Which, by the way, death in this game is absolutely not punishing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, like, it basically has a live system that means that doesn't do anything when you run out of lives. Yeah. Uh, because you very rarely are killed in combat. Most of the time you're killed by falling off of a cliff or hitting a damage zone. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you have all of these, it basically looked like a rusty playground to me. Because it's like, I really want to get in there <laughs> uh -huh. and have fun on the prescribed fun-having machines. But I will get tetanus and die if I do it. So I won't. Mm -hmm. um, and then it forced me to do it anyway because it's a video game and you do have to play it to win. Yeah. Um, so, it I don't know. I found it to be anticlimactic. It, it seemed like they had something really good going and then they introduced one mechanic that pushed it too far. Mm -hmm. um, and so the last two levels of this game were not... I mean, neither of them were as bad as the Big Boring City. Yeah. Clifford and the Big Boring City or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but they, both of them, to me, featured a core damage zone-based mechanic that I found really uninteresting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I, I agree more with the lava. Mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, instant death pits aren't the greatest, I think... I don't know what other video game developers are doing. I think Mario got it right, where you fall in the lava and it lets you like give you three chances to get out. Yeah. Um, but also something like that would have been fire. nice. Yeah. That's the important part. And of then that. it makes it hard for you to control yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something like that would have been nice, where you could have fallen in the lava and then had a chance to recover. Uh, like maybe you use the grappling hook or something to get out. Yep. Um, but. No, yeah, I, I don't know. I liked the Acid Lake as, like, a difference in kind, and it felt like it was, like, mostly confined to that central location and was fun to, to like, boost across for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that 
there there are different ways to approach this mechanic, uh, and the way that you do will probably determine how much fun you have doing it. Uh, and I just didn't like I couldn't have fun with it. Mm-hmm. But if you can, hey. It's probably a pretty cool level for you. Mm-hmm. I think the boss is really cool, but we'll talk yeah. about bosses in a in a hot second. Yeah, I always thought it looked really cool. Yeah, uh, like the big open like lake area with like the it had like a coliseum esque building in it and stuff. It was one of the areas that felt most like Hyperlight Drifter to me. Mm-hmm. Like being in the area felt like a three D Hyperlight Drifter area to me. Yeah, and it makes it's the first level in my opinion. There are other levels that use it a little bit, but that really focus on the like. There's like a Mario Galaxy element to this game yeah. where your local gravity is like dictated by where you are in the map. So that level had a lot of like vertical spaces and places that you could climb up using the weird gravity. And the last level does as well. And I think it's a really interesting facet of the level design. Yeah. That doesn't really get used that often and does to good effect in those two levels. Yeah. I also think I like the third level a lot too. I can't I think it's like the Iron Root Basin or something. Yeah. Uh that was probably my second favorite. I think it's okay. That <laughs> that was a very inoffensive level to me. Yeah, I like that one. Mm. The uh the the crater proper, the tutorial area. Mm. Um the Iron Root Basin, and what's the first? Are we calling the crater the first? I think the crater is the first. So it's technical it's level crater. Then the big, big boring, boring city, city, Iron Root Basin, yeah, Mushroom Mushrooms. Bill. Gotcha. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing one when you said third because I wasn't really counting yeah, crater yeah. as one. So that okay, that I do have a complete yes. knowledge of the. Of you didn't all forget levels. one. That's good. Uh, yeah, Crater and Iron Basin, I think, are very neutral to me. I, yeah. I really liked Crater when I played it because I was enjoying learning the mechanics. Yeah. Um, and then Iron Basin was like a also kind of an extended tutorial level. Mm. But to me, like its main mechanics were all movement-based because uh, I think it's the one that introduces the exploding floors. Uh, yeah, I think so. And stuff, so that's cool. Like, I like that kind of a thing. Yeah, just after the big boring city <laughs> in the sky... Um, <laughs> It just felt like I think really nice to like come to that level and it have be like more dense. Yeah, and not just. And it's like, oh, okay, this is what levels in this game are like. <laughs> yeah, the because the second that big boring city, which I guess we should explain why we think it is big and boring. Mm-hmm. The there are enemies in it, sure, but the thing that you're mostly doing is avoiding being blown up by mines, mm. which isn't hard to do. You just have to go around them. <laughs> As you do with mines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just a lot of cloud, which is a inherently boring place to skate and do things because it's all a single uniform surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it just felt like the challenges were all really centralized, super like into one area that they like built a little room for. And then they're on this ex- huge, expansive map with nothing else in it. Yeah, it's like there's a, like it's a ruined city, and like there's you know like however many buildings there are, mm-hmm. like ten or so, something like that. And uh, you, you have to skate around, and like, you, like most of the yeah, all the content is like in the buildings, but they don't have like obvious entrances. Like there's a lot of just skating around, like looking for like a place you can go into another, like you know where you can go into a building. Yeah. And, yeah, there's just a lot more downtime. And there were parts of it, right? Like, in between 
I think one of the first buildings that you can get into, and then a later part, you, there's like a cool outdoor parkour area where you're going up these ruined buildings. And that was fun, but it lasted 15 seconds. And mm-hmm. then you were back to just running around looking for the next thing to do. Yeah, it's too spread out. Yeah. And isn't signposted well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sad. Uh, but the mushroom level totally mm-hmm. fucking redeems it, uh, <laughs> because its main mechanic is this, like, puzzle mechanic where you have to get colored... Th- it's like a puzzle in the same way that the doors in Metroid Prime are a puzzle. Mm-hmm. You have to identify a color and then bring a same color to it. It's a little bit more like Jack and Daxter. Yeah, a little bit the eco. Get, yeah, get the, the spores and bring them to the corresponding thing. Yeah, and it works well in this game... Where it didn't work in Jack and Daxter, as we just mm-hmm. as we talked about, <laughs> and it's that. about movement because it's a game about movement. So it was fun to actually take things to other places because it meant you got to engage with the movement mechanics mm-hmm. instead of just kind of like walking there. <laughs> it's just less fun. Uh, so yeah, that was a that that's maybe the main reason that I liked it. Mm-hmm. But it also introduces you introduces you, in fact, to the like the spore elders i don't know yeah which are all in caves and i love caves uh that you have to go like underground like it felt like the area had was more rich in like secret areas it felt more zelda yeah 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 i feel pretty medium about the mushroom level personally because i felt like as i like the puzzles and stuff and a lot of the aesthetics and the things you do there but it feels like the puzzle solving leads to more like stopping like it slows down the pace of the game yeah it does but i think that it does it i think the pace was being stopped in my like monkey brain that was trying to play the game Mm -hmm. like i was playing a like a mario game where i don't stop running uh i felt like the game was being stopped but it was being stopped by like the dialogue and stuff yeah characters and the the caches that you pick up and in this one, it felt like I was at least still actively doing something instead of just listening to somebody talk about how crazy they went or mm-hmm. how uh, they crashed their ship or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. Isn't it wild that in the game, uh, Ray, the character you play as, is like... Every time that you find a, one of the caches is like, oh, well, I'm sure I'll find this one alive. Yeah. And, like, what gives you that impression? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of felt like one of them might be because it kept coming up. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I think it's just supposed to be, like, I don't know. I guess that she's just, like, hopeful or whatever. She's, like, she's on this mission and it might give her like some kind of resolve mm-hmm. or something to complete like what she's trying to do if she like finds someone else still alive like like hope or whatever uh-huh. but unfortunately for her they did all turn into giant monsters giant monsters uh i love hate i hate love the boss fights in this game uh what do you think about them uh, for the most part, I thought they were pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny thing, um, I know they had to have tutorialized the boost mechanic 
but I somehow com- like completely deleted it from my brain after <laughs> learning it because I was on the third boss and I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to get to the next weak point? Like, I cannot get there fast enough. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and so I ended up, like, I tried it probably, like, ten times and then, like, looked it up on YouTube and immediately, like, the person boosts and I'm like, is there a boost mechanic? <laughs> and I had somehow completely forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Um and I and I beat I had played the whole game in like two sittings, yeah. so it wasn't like with you where I took like months off. Yeah. I, um, to be fair, I also forgot the time slip mechanic pretty yeah. much, uh, or rather, I forgot its utility because it took me a long time to remember that when you used it, you could do the R one from further away. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was just slowing the game down, and so I said, "Fuck that! I'm never going to even press that button. Uh-huh. Uh, if I can't do it at full speed, I'm not going to do it at all." <laughs> Uh, and then later on, I was doing a boss, and it was like, the same thing happened to me. I was yeah. like, how the fuck am I supposed to? It's like, oh, fuck, right, yeah. I forgot. But, uh, yeah, so I, I found the first boss to be really hard. Yeah? Because, um, yeah, it was, like, hard to, like, get in between the things quick enough. But, like, I was able to do it without the boost. And then the second one, I don't really remember. I think it was pretty easy. Mm. And then the third one was doable after I figured, <laughs> remembered you could boost, and... Um, but yeah, no, I, I found them to be in kind of a sweet spot where like they took, they each were like challenging at first, but then were like totally doable. Like they felt really satisfying, I think for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and were big cool monsters to like skate around on. Like it's cool. Like, um, it's like, they're like what you would want from this kind of game where like, it's about like skating around these big environments. So you take the boss and you make it like a big thing you skate around on. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I, I thought they, yeah, they had like some jank in spots um, where it felt like they specifically meticulously placed out the platform. So it would be really awkward and you had to do like oh, one jump on this one and then two jumps and it was hard to judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I thought they worked pretty well. Yeah. So, when I said that I love, hate the bosses, um, primarily I love the concept. If somebody sold this, nobody sold this game to me. The advertise, the one advertisement I saw sold the game to me it was like from the creator of Hyperlight Drifter, this one where you skate around. I was like, oh, neat. I'll buy that. It wasn't very expensive. Uh, and so I got it and I played it. But if I never heard of it and somebody came up and said, the bosses in this game are like if you took Shadow of the Colossus and put aggressive inline mechanics on it, I would go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, give me that immediately. It's the only thing I've ever wanted in my entire life. Um, and it doesn't quite pan out that way. I think the idea is extremely good. I think that the game's aesthetic and I want to say slightly schizophrenic camera decisions are the main culprits that made them frustrating when they were. If they weren't frustrating, I was having the time of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when they were frustrating, normally you just had to get over like one little thing. And once you did, you were back to having fun with it. Uh, So I can't even really hold that against it too much. I did really like the bosses, but man... There were times when I would not be able to tell because the camera had panned back Mm -hmm. to show me something I was going to, 
Which it has to do. Yeah. It can't just not show you your goal. So I can't, I don't know what the solution to this is. It may be an unsolvable problem, but I suddenly don't have any context for how far my jump goes anymore. Mm. I'm just like, now I'm looking at myself from a different perspective and I've lost sort of that like measuring stick, the internal measuring stick that I've been using for the whole game. And it's hard to describe it, I guess, because it's more of a subconscious thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but that kind of thing really hurt it for me. Uh, but when it, that wasn't a problem, I fucking loved it. I love the idea of making the boss just like a, a obstacle course that like flew around or swung a big sword. Yeah. And the big sword guy in the leg was one of my favorite bosses in the game. I yeah. thought he was extremely cool. Um, and also very reminiscent of Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, that one's <laughs> more than the others. And mm. the big flying one, too. True. I mean, that reminded me of the sand bird from yeah, uh, that, Super Mario That Sunshine. as well, that as well. Uh, but that's what I have. You got, you got stuff um, left? Yeah, I, I feel like there were some other things that I wanted to mention. Like, this game has uh, co- different costumes you can get mm. from collecting all the different pieces um, from the other Void Runners, um, which I just put on when I got them uh-huh. and didn't realize that they had abilities. <laughs> um, but... I, I don't know. Like I, I, I switched them all and never noticed that they were giving me abilities. So yeah. I don't know. It just seems like kind of a weird uh, mechanical thing. Yeah, I didn't unlock all of them. I think I got four. Yeah, uh, I didn't get them all either. Yeah, and the one to me that seemed like I would notice it if I had it is there's one that gives you energy back when you kill enemies. Mm-hmm. Um Though I don't, because I never wore it, I don't know if it um, happens on every kill or if it's like after you kill a certain number or a number of hits or something. So it might be more subtle and difficult to notice than that. Yeah. But I found one that was like, reduces the cooldown on the on the boost. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm never taking that off. And so I never put any other ones on. Yeah. I, I just kept switching them whenever I got them. Mm-hmm. But because, uh, yeah, I just assumed it was like Hyper Light Drifter where they were just cosmetic. Um and the one you get from the lava area is, like, blue and red, and I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess, my other big thing is, my biggest criticism of this game, personally, is that I think it's a little bit too long for its core gameplay loop. Like, it started to feel a little bit repetitive. Um, it may have factored into why you like the later levels less, but maybe not. Um, like... I don't know what you would do to, like, alleviate this, but, like, I don't know, every area felt, like, very... It's just really similar in the sense of, like, go around, get all, like, the... Clear away all the goo, and then fight the boss. And, like, lots of games are like that. I don't know why it stood out to me in this one, like, feeling like it it felt like it needed a little something extra to do. Yeah. Well, I feel like the... Because the core mechanics are really rooted in movement right and the actual game progression is based around removing the goo which is nine times out of the ten nine times out of ten a puzzle uh, and not a movement challenge sometimes mm-hmm. it's a movement challenge straight up and down but most of the time it's like you have to hit this and then figure out like oh what's the way to go and so you figure out your route and once you do that then it's solved and it won't be hard to do and then all of the bosses are a gauntlet 
I think if they reduced the number of goos mm-hmm. in the overworld and increased the number of bosses, you would find the variety better, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe there was, like, more of a way to introduce more of, like, a difference in kind to the goo things. Yeah. Um, yeah, or something like that. Like, I don't know. I just found myself thinking, like, if they just removed one level, I think the game would have, like, I don't know, felt better. Yeah, Get, take it out the big boring city. Um, <laughs> if you just remove like one level, I don't know. Maybe definitely just the <laughs> b- the boring city yeah. level. I don't know. It's it's more of a nitpick and not like a fully formed criticism because I don't know like what I would change about it. Yeah, but yeah, it it felt like it. Yeah, could have used a little little something different to keep it a little fresher as it went along. Yeah. I can kind of agree with that. I think I didn't feel like it was too long, but I also played the game in two sittings that yeah, were very like, far apart. How, so. Yeah, how long to beat said five hours for this game? And it felt more like eight to ten for me. Mm-hmm. I think I finished in like about eight, seven or eight, yeah. something like that. At least according to my save file. Uh, um, And I also, I think that the ending of this game is really great. Oh, is yeah. another thing I wanted to mention um, before we sign off. But um, you get to like the big climactic moment. You defeat all the monsters and you go to the top of the big needle thing, the mm-hmm. the, the star seed, whatever. Um, the spear of Longinus, um, <laughs> and you have the like option to either like destroy the star seed or um, or to activate it because the um, the big goddess with the needle in her chest um who ends up being your character uh-huh. like a an aspect of your character um reveals to you that there's this been like a cyclical thing that's been happening over and over again and uh each time it happens like it is the star seed is not successful and creates another monster and uh you know it keeps happening over and over again so um Anytime in a game like this, if you give me an option to break a perpetual cycle, I always do. So that's what I went with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up then doing like kind of like a victory lap style thing because you don't have any health and you can't die in this part. But you play as the goddess character. So you're like all white and ethereal and you skate along and you fight the main character who's turned into a giant monster. Yeah. And just like a really cool spectacle, like emotional fight thing. Yeah. Uh, I will say I am... I really love the ending. I agree. I wish that they had done anything different with the character to make it less obvious from the very beginning of the game that she is you. Oh, yeah. Because her name is Echo. Right. Which already is like a a copy of something. And she has the same wispy hair that your character does. And that's kind of all you need mm-hmm. to like figure out that it's and maybe it took me like a boss or two, but I pretty quickly was like this is me mm-hmm. and they want me to stop doing this for some shadow of the colossus like reason. Mm-hmm. Uh because they always whenever you get to the third phase of every boss your character is like it sounds like they're in pain or yeah. like they're scared or something. Uh and so I, I did, I wanted there to be more nuance to it, but it didn't take away from the impact of the actual ending, mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't, because 
I was not, I would say, paying the closest attention to all of the narrative detail. Uh-huh. Did not know that the star seed was capable of reverting time or anything like that. Yeah. And so the whole ending, I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, they, they did uh, bring it up explicitly, but it was probably near the in, beginning. An, in an earlier part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you forgot about. Yeah. Uh, I I actually didn't see it coming Oof. that Echo was you. Suck it, idiot! You dumb yeah. shit. Yeah, but this this kind of stuff continuing to be weird because I immediately called that uh, Azriel and uh, uh, Delta Six were yeah. the same person. So I had a moment of not re- realizing what you were talking yeah. about, but yes. So, you know, I guess everybody's different. <laughs> everybody's a little different, you know? Uh, all right. Oh, just one more random thing Yep. Uh, that I wanted to say was there. All, I, I looked up the voice actors on IMDb because one of them sounded like one of the um, that mushroom elder guys sounded exactly like Ian McKellen to me. And I, I was pretty sure it wasn't going to be him but i was like was that like a kickstarter thing like if we get this much money we'll hire ian mckellen uh answer no and then there was another one of the void runners that sounded just like gates mcfadden who is dr crusher in star trek Mm. also not her um I, i just thought that was weird like i wonder if that was intentional that they wanted, like, can you do, like, a like an Ian McKellen-style voice? voice? We were thinking this character would have, like, an Ian McKellen voice. <laughs> can you do that? Uh, I, that just stood out to me as, like, a weird thing. Because, like, someone, getting someone like Gates McFadden seems a lot more doable. doable because it's, like, a sci-fi game. Mm. And, you know, she probably doesn't command as high of a price as Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> but it wasn't her. Yeah. That knighthood puts a premium on yeah. your your involvement. So, just yeah, just wanted to say that. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to have McFadden thoughts, but I <laughs> uh, Do we have fated to destroy the world thoughts? Uh, my fated to destroy the world thoughts were are um I like this game a lot. Um, I, I, I watched you play like some of the, like the last level and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you definitely were like butting up against it in ways that like I didn't at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, this is like a person by person thing. So I think I got kind of lucky that I kind of clicked with this. Um, and yeah, I, I had a really good time with it. Like the, the movement mechanics were really awesome. And then I thought like the level design and like some of the areas felt like really good where like, I just felt like I just kind of kept moving forward and always finding where I was supposed to go. Uh, other levels didn't have that so much, but like there were some points where I thought the level design was really on point in a way that I found impressive for like an indie game. Uh, that's like this complicated. Um, yeah, so like I don't know, I, yeah, I really gelled with this game a lot and and enjoyed it a lot more than I expected because yeah, as we were talking at the beginning, I think it like went under the radar for a lot of people, and I I think it deserves more of like attention. Like I feel like it came out and like literally no one talked about it. Like it was really <laughs> weird. Um, like it was just like immediately forgotten about. Um, but uh. Yeah, like, really cool, really impressive. Like, especially, you think about, like, uh, 
like I said, it's an indie game, and their last game was Hyper Light Drifter, which is like a like a pixel art top down game. Looks a lot more indie, like on its face, you know, when you yeah. look at it. Um, and this is like a big jump up, and and I think they handled it like it, it almost makes me think of like a PS2 game or something where like developers were like making really ambitious stuff and. Um, there were a lot of kinks to work out. So like some games would do it a lot better than others, like, you know, just translating things into 3D. And I, I think they do a really good job, but it does lack like some polish in some areas. Like it does have some jank and it does have like some like, you know, some issues that don't make it like, you know, like as good as it could be. But I think it's impressive for the team, you know, like I, I it's, I don't know, it sits in a really weird middle ground where, like, because it's, like, almost there mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it can make it easy to, like, think really critical of it and be like, it could have been so much better if only it did A, B, and C. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of unfortunate that it falls into that area and probably will for a lot of people. Um, but, I don't know, I really enjoyed my time with it and uh, glad that we have this podcast because I probably would have been, like, Eh. Like it gives like it makes a really eh first impression, I think, on a lot of people, and I'm glad that I actually played it. Yeah. I you took my snappy one liner sort of when you mentioned uh the PS2 era. Um my final thoughts here are really I think that fifteen years ago this game would have been a masterpiece. Um a disaster piece even. Mm-hmm. Um but Unfortunately, I I think I am now too spoiled by video games, and I felt like where I wanted to have so much fun with the game, with its mechanics, I kept getting reined in either by the level design being too open and not having enough, like, actual prescribed check, because you can run around, but you can't really interact with anything unless there's stuff there to interact with uh or the the nail factory problem where everything kills you in a second um and those really like reined in the amount of fun that i was able to have with it even though i wanted to engage really badly so the end at the end it it, to me it feels like a big disappointment in that it's something that has insanely good mechanics like the movement mechanics of this game are really well executed on and feel really good to play with but it's let down by little things here and there that makes it feel like man i wish like if there was a little bit of polish here i wish the rails were a little snappier to grab onto uh and like your jump was a little more even that kind of stuff just in places uh, I think this game would have been extremely good. Uh, it's a ton of great ideas in a very flawed package. And so I came out of this game not really happy with it, but wanting to be. <laughs> like, I like it, but it just isn't there as, like, a game I love. And I think part of the reason that I didn't find the game too long is because I kept waiting for it to hit like a critical mass mm. and it just never really did um so yeah it's a good it's a great idea and an okay game thank you for 
listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, pretend that we're talking about this as the Pocket episode right after Inscription, even though it isn't. We're talking about Lost Kingdoms, a vaguely card-based RPG from from software in a mil- of 9 BC or whenever the GameCube was around. Yeah, so like a RPG where you cast cards as spells, essentially. Yeah. It's an interesting one, and I played it a lot as a small child, so we'll see how I like it now. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find links to our Twitter, our Discord, uh, and our YouTube channel, which, along with the website, contains all of our old episodes, including a very old episode on Hyperlight Drifter, uh, and our Tony Hawk series <laughs> retrospective, uh, if you needed more skating in your life. Oh, God. Um... Mirror's Edge. We did do Mirror's like Edge. Kind of sci-fi e mm-hmm. free running. Definitely, yeah, like a run, like a person with legs moving quickly game. Uh God, I'm just trying to think of like uh, <laughs> Mario 3D World. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any platformer. I yeah, think, I, I feel fits. specifically Bowser's Fury is a little bit more. You can focus on the movement a little bit more. In That's that, true. Yeah. yeah. Bowser Fury is fucking good. It is very good. It's a good-ass game. Uh, in Bowser's Fury, get the cat bell for subscribing. <laughs> Three-hit combo, that like button. I'm not going to let you skate by with a bad joke like that. Uh, uh, uh. Welcome to the No Clip Godcast. Praise him. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>